a detective beyond all reproach, but instead he now just used a system which he'd christened the Jerkins approach. When Jerkins could not solve a murder, he'd fill all the suspects with caution and then tell them that he knew who did it, but offer a suicide option. And often as not the real killer would take his advice and confess, escaping the noose by their own hand, giving Jerkins another success. <laughs> when 35 minutes had passed by, the detective detected a sound and smiling he started exploring and sure enough a body he found swinging from the end of a rope noose and tied to the beam in the ceiling was the fresh corpse of Miss Jaunty Deadlock. Jerkins suppressed a satisfied grin. But suddenly sensed an impediment to a rapid cleanup of the case. Now where was that note of confession? And how did she get in that place? With no chair for her to kick over, no ladder that, that had been climbed up, it seemed that another had done it. Jerkins found a warm cigarette stub. He trailed Captain Claude's ash deposits, but found him quite dead in the library. Jerkins thought for a moment, the killer! But the knife wound was somewhat contrary. Claude couldn't have reached that far backwards. The knife was too far from his grasp. The gin glass beside him was empty. It's you, Jenkins cried with a gasp. To the young master's bedroom spet Jerkins, so certain he reached for his cuffs, but found the lad dead in his bathroom, in the bath with both arms fully trussed. Whoever had drowned the poor fellow, whoever had drowned the whoever had drowned the poor fellow, had done it with Jerkins' own shackles. The empty syringe made his blood boil. A doctor gone bad raised his hackles. But his temper soon calmed down with horror as the corpse of the doctor was found. His head had been stuffed in the mincer and cranked until neck mince was ground. Another impossible suicide. His face was contorted with worry. Lady Blighted, a serial killer, the Annabelle Lecter of Surrey, with five minutes spare by his timepiece till the police were due to arrest, Jerkins knocked on the door of her ladyship and said, I think it's time you confess. But when Jerkins pushed the door open, her ladyship had nothing to say. So he looked for her written confession, because without it there'd be hell to pay. But no note could be found. And the worst thing were the huge handprints around her throat. They were too big to be self-inflicted. So who was left to be his scapegoat? Five unachievable suicides? That's four more than he'd been expecting. Six murders in all with his lordship. A disaster in terms of detecting. So the constables broke through the doorway and arrested the confused detective. But without alibi or alternative, it seemed the least messy directive. To keep his track record unaltered, Jerkins kept up a silent defence, and so three weeks later they hanged him for his multiple murder offence. Which leaves us with the vexing question about really who had killed the Lord, the Lady, their son and the Doctor, the Secretary and Captain Claude. The Marples and Poirots amongst you, I'm sure, are all beyond reproach. But if you'd like to try some detecting, please beware. The Jenkins. 
Yay! Hey, listening right now, we've moved on from Altacast. We are in the middle of. So talented. Just carrying over. Uh, some call me Tim. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to plug something. I, I don't usually have anything to plug, but I'm going to plug this. Um, uh, on the uh, on the 10th of December, there's something called the Catalyst Club in Brighton. I don't know if anyone's aware of that. And I'm uh, performing my one and only Christmas piece. It usually brings um, me to be. Uh, I did it at the local vicarage once. I was asked to leave uh, because of it. So um, something to look forward to. <laughs> I'll uh, put the details. Oh, course, I'll the, definitely uh, try and get there. Yes, it sounds like fun. Oh, it's a right laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have one more, um, and then and then that's just for the night, I think. Um, yeah, so we're going to go back to Generalissimo. Fran didn't Francis slip in? I thought I saw Francis Gorm mm. slip into the room. Did I not? Yeah. Oh, oh, hello. So we have two more. Hello. Okay, so we'll go to Generalissimo first, and then with right. Francis. Uh, there you go. Hello, everyone. Um, the first is a haiku. It's called "Figurative Life Best for Sale." When it rains and rains, my mind sends me to places perfect for drowning. And um, I'm going to do another, a, new, a newer piece called Why I Am Certifiably Defective. Some people have accused me of being a communist when it comes to cheese. I am anti-American cheese. I 100% believe that McDonald's can afford to offer cheddar or provolone on all cheeseburgers and ditch the overprocessed crapiolas without raising prices. Also, when it comes to cheese whiz, while I am okay with the delivery method, I am wary of any cheese that does not have to be refrigerated and legally has to be spelled with a Z. I will admit, though, there is something to be said for a good old-fashioned grilled American cheese sando on fortified bleached wheat preservative-laden white bread with a bowl of condensed Campbell's tomato soup lacking any chunky pieces of tomato or basil or oregano a summer camp nostalgia meal that makes me a giddy foodie. I could write an extremely long dissertation on the issue of the horribility of condensed soup that might possibly win me a Pulitzer Prize after a bidding war for media rights between the New York Times, Washington Post, and Bon Appetit. But unfortunately, the only PhD offered in ranting and raving from Notre Dame University requires all students in the program to subsist on communion wafers as their sole carb source for the duration. That rule offends me as a Jew, and they won't let me substitute matzah for the wafers, which is their right as a religious educational institution. After being denied this incredible learning opportunity, I tried to defect to Russia, was denied entry, but received a lovely handwritten consolation letter from Vladimir Putin himself. My dearest Mr. Franco, while we appreciate your position on vast good cheeseburgers, your very public opinions on old-fashioned grilled American cheese sandwiches disqualifies you for citizenship to Mother Russia. With sincerity and sadness as a fan of your most clever poetry, because dictatorial despots can be poetry lovers too, 
the future modern-day Tsar of the all-supreme Russian Empire, the Vladman Putin. P.S. Is the Vladman thing a bit too much? I think it might make me sound hipper with the young folks. BTW, if you had been accepted for defection, you would have been the first American-born Jewish poet lauded in Russian history. Dos vidanya. Less than a week later, I received a letter kicking me out of the Communist Party of the United States of America. Thank you, everyone. Again, you're listening to Some Call Me Tim. We've got a call from Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, coming I up promise. really quickly. But yeah. Francis <laughs> has a poem up yeah. next. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna close out with Francis. Yay! Yay! Uh, with you. Yay! And you have yeah. to say something about your new game too. Well, I was I was hoping um, if if I could do like one of those screen share things, I was hoping to play through like um, a small section of it just to mm. test it out. Yeah, go for it. Um, bear with. Yeah, I should be able to do that now. So it just came out today with the University of Arkansas. Is that what happened? Yep, it's come out. It's called Arcana Mag. Um, or, you know, University of Arkansas, as I call it. Uh, can't believe it's, got, it's pronounced Arkansas. Weird. Oh. I'm trying to think, is it called Arcana or Arkansas? Arkansas. Um, <laughs> is the... Is, so how does the screen sharing thing go on? Like, how does that work? Is it is it going or...? I don't know. Uh, yeah, you have to can, come on. You have to press uh, the screen. Yeah, yeah. Press, press screen share. Oh yeah. And then you see everything that you can possibly share that's on your computer. It has to be up on your screen. Is that it? Is that working? Yes. Uh, that's something on there. Yeah, we can see that. It's a Francis Gold trigger warning. Yes. Yeah, so there's a trigger warning in this. Um, I don't know whether we'll, I'll try and stay clear or anything, anything like that. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I'll just play it and I'll, and I'll play through and I'll try and stick to about three or four minutes. Trigger warning. This interactive fiction includes a scene of coercive sexual assault. <laughs> Basically, I find you attractive. A text-based adventure by Francis Gold, life coach and meta-reprogrammer of human biocomputers. Contact Francis Gold on Twitter at Sideburned, poet. Win the game and secure sex by any means necessary. We're just friends. So don't go. your mark scan for negative attributes add these to your backhand backpack and toss out benign insults regularly this will destabilize the mark if your non-versation is about to end go for the self-deprecation make some dad jokes a bad pun partnered with raised eyebrows will establish you as non-threatening it says you're self-aware 
You don't take yourself too seriously. You're fun. Those backhanded compliments weren't as mean as they seemed. Use this opportunity to excuse yourself briefly for a lavatorial break. I'm just off to shake hands with your soon-to-be best friend. Nonchalantly traipse to the toilet. Your mark is present upon your return. Skip to four minutes on this instructional audio recording. If the mark is absent, skip to six minutes on this instructional audio recording. Okay, so given a choice there, so um, I'm going to uh, model the the woman's choice um, through a um, binary um, sto stochiastic probability matrix generator um, or a coin. I'm going to flip it, and it's going to be uh, heads for yes and tails for no. The heads. So I, I think that was four minutes. Four or six minutes. Four minutes. Scroll to four on the bar. <laughs> Result. The mark is compliant. <laughs> now compare and contrast yourself to competitors in the vicinity. List their obvious deficiencies. You will find these in your criticism knapsack. After you have decimated rivals, invoke sympathy. Why do they get everything in life handed to them? Does the mark water you with the pity you so need to thrive? If so, skip to 19 minutes. If the grimace of the mark's social nicety spasms into a rictus of disgust, skip to 22 minutes. That's going to be 22 minutes. It's a rictus of disgust. If pitied, skip to 19 minutes. If not, skip to 22 minutes. Feign a panic attack. This should be easy. Listen to your body. Be present. Allow the sympathetic nervous system to do its thing and flood your bloodstream with adrenaline. Fight the flight response. Doing so will induce hyperventilation. Drop to your knees. If the mark attends you, skip to 30 minutes. If the mark abandons you, then compose yourself and skip to 8 minutes. You are helped. 30 minutes. You are abandoned. 30 minutes. 30 or 8 minutes. Achievement unlocked. Item drop. A hairpin. Add this item to your trophy cabinet. Level up. You are in the safest zone possible. Relax. The mark has passed your test and revealed weak boundaries and or sense of self. Talk openly about yourself. Enjoy the mark's company. See the mark socially. Ever more regularly. Become. Friends. Grow embittered as things do not progress. Introduce pointed comments. Why is everyone else happy but me? I'm a nice guy. Why can't I meet the one? Why do people always reject me? Why can't people see what's right in front of them? If the mark tolerates this behavior, skip to 38 minutes. If the mark confronts you about these guilt trips, skip to 43 minutes. You are tolerated 38 minutes. You are confronted 43 minutes. Confronted. 38 or 43 minutes. Uh, 38. Follow my lead. I haven't a clue what you're talking about. What's your point though? Do you even have a point? You're misrepresenting what I said. God, I can't even be around you when you're being like this. 
Invert your gaslighting sack and place it over your head. Zone out and ride the storm. Agree with the mark. Make amends with a treat you have logged that is sure to placate. Ask the mark to set you up with a friend. Kill yourself. These are all viable options. You're scum and everyone knows it. Deep down, you know it too. Skip to 12 minutes. Skip to 12 minutes on this instructional audio recording and try again. Item drop, shovel, add this item to your trophy cabinet. waste time on a mark unwilling to enable. The mark has failed the test and revealed the unseemly characteristic of callousness. Make paper aeroplanes of lost causes. Rest assured you will find the right combination of looks and acquiescence through process of elimination. In the meantime, diatribe on the internet chat rooms you troll about the heartless gynomorphs and the twisted power games. <laughs> Indoors. Head back to a level that permits tolerance of human society. Trust that through process of elimination you will find your level. Checkpoint. Check your trophy cabinet. You picked up a Groucho Marx moustache yet? Anyway, I'm going to leave it there because um, that's kind of like a, a checkpoint, and uh, you get the you get the get the gist it's um it's an incel involuntary celibate uh, simulator that you can play and get into the mindset of uh disenfranchised young virgins on the internet and explore what happens to them and the rewards and punishments that the uh that the game puts them through um there's about another another three levels you can lock to that so that's the first time i've played it through and it appears to work there's a few glitches there that i'd work on but uh you know it can't be perfect Pam, you're a genius uh, enjoying it. I love it. I, I mean, the whole it's I, I absolutely love it. I think you're a genius. Where can people play this game? They go to the University of Arkansas website or. Yeah. Yes, they can. I'll go and drop that uh, the link in the uh, the chat. It's up here at the top. Uh, Arcanamag.org. Um, it's the latest issue, issue nine. And um, find it on there. Lots, lots of other things are on there as well. Yes. It's also like a, a launch party tonight. It's going to be um, about two hours, I think, two or three hours. They're launching it over there. Yeah, and I'll so, tag you on yeah. Mutiny Radio. I think it's so clever and uh, so accurate. I love all the gaslighting, and it's just, it's great. I think a lot of research, it's, um, it's yeah, it's very, very accurate. Um, but, you know, I try to make the, the character get their comeuppance and have a few moments of, um, of learning and, uh, self-reflection and things like that i think so it's a much different more a better experience if you it's an interactive fiction so if you interact with it i think you get a lot more out of it and you can play through it many many times about half an hour if you play if you unlock everything and get all the um every single reward badge and trophy and you explore the full 
the full terrain. Go the golden shovel to 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 bury your herpes laden prostitute with. <laughs> I think you're a genius. I think it's great. Um, thank you everybody today for being a part of Choose Poetry, Choose Life. You're all amazing. Every week, every other week, I enjoy this so much. We'll be back in two weeks here on Mutiny Radio, and you can listen to the podcast. I'll tag it everywhere. I'll be putting everybody's everything, the new books and uh, the new game up on the Mutiny Radio website. So thank you all so much for being here and for listening, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks with more Choose Poetry, Choose Life with Andy Talbot and Aaron Gannon. So, yay. Thank you all so much. I'm going to end the Zoom. Yay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, yay. Bye. Yay. And that is Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Incredibly exciting. What wonderful people here that we have <laughs> internationally coming up right now i'm so excited we have a call from latoya the sheriff of truth we're in the middle of uh some call me tim now we're 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 trekking baby uh but it's more like an alta cast uh some call me tim because we have latoya and we're going to talk about what's been going on in the world in news with the lockdown with san francisco being back to purple with the shutdowns of dining everything is shut down at 10 o'clock now in the city we have a california curfew and hope that everybody's staying safe hey if you are doing outdoor shows as a comedian keep yourself safe and buy your own freaking microphone please or at least bring a mic condom for yourself a lot of hosts obviously are providing those for people but if they aren't keep yourself safe bring a plastic bag uh get put your mask over the mic do something but Really bring your own microphone. That's what I would suggest. I have a microphone in my backpack all the time now, just in case I do show up at a show or a mic. So I encourage you to also be safe. Hey, if you love comedy and you live in San Francisco, how many wonderful opportunities do you have now because of Mutiny Radio Presents? We have four weekly shows now, Sundays at 2.30 at Resolute Wine Bar on 678 Geary. Oh, check everything out on Eventbrite or on our Mutiny Radio Facebook events page. We have all of those. Um, but Sundays, Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, Resolute Wine Bar on 678 Geary between Jones and Leavenworth. A hilarious, wonderful show. Wednesdays, that's tonight and every Wednesday at Asiento at the corner of 21st and Bryant. We have dinner and a show at Asiento. A really great lineup tonight. Drea Myers. Uh, who else? I've, I've been booking so many comedians, it's impossible for me to remember. Gary Hughes, he's hilarious, um, among others. I'm sorry, I can't remember everybody right now. On Friday, outside here at Mutiny Radio at 7 o'clock, we put out chairs socially distanced. You wear masks, and we do comedy for you for donations. Yay, on the sidewalk. There's no event bite for that. Just come on by 21st and Florida. And then our newest show on Saturday afternoons at 2 o'clock at Atlas Cafe on 20th and Alabama, just around the corner here from Mutiny Radio and from Asiento. We have the Titans of Comedy at Atlas. And that's going to be amazing this week with headliner Matt Gubster. I'm super, super excited for that show. Also on it, Vishal Call, Peter Struckmeyer, one of my favorite people in the universe. And... Zorba! Yes, Zorba Javon Hughes is also on that. So it's truly Titans of Comedy this Saturday at 2 o'clock 
at Atlas Cafe. You can get all of those reservations on Eventbrite. You buy two items, you get the show for free. We ask you for tips for the comedians because comedians need money too, friends. We got to tip them. All right, before LaToya gives us a call, because uh, she's on her way, I have, there's a brief program overview of uh, things happening in the Tenderloin, Code Tenderloin programs. There's a job readiness program, four-week class, resume building, interview preparation, professional networking, and basic computer literacy. The orientation is on January 23rd. The start date is February 1st, 2021, and that's at Code Tenderloin on 55 Taylor Street. Uh, more excellent things. Community health worker, 12-week course studying, doing case management and community outreach work. January 25th, 2021, signups are ongoing. The SOAR, three-week intensive sales and recruiting program. TBD 2021, signups are ongoing. The code ramp, learn the basics of front-end web development, JavaScript, HTML, and CSS, January 11th, 21. 2021 signups are ongoing and C-A-R-E team neighborhood outreach walking around building relationships and conducting referrals currently accepting applications and resumes at 55 Taylor Street and also the calming corners pop-up tailing tabling event where we hand out food bags face masks hygiene kits education job training information and other resources this is happening at Code Tenderloin on 55 Taylor Street, Mondays from 12 to 4 at 398 Eddy Street, Wednesday from 12 to 4 at 105 Turk Street, and Fridays 12 to 4 at 105 Turk Street. Again, Code Tenderloin is at 55 Taylor Street, and Code TL is a workforce development organization providing free programming for the homeless, formerly incarcerated, and people living below the poverty level in San Francisco. We provide job skills, training, networking opportunities, and resources for our participants. Our programs build a bridge between low-income residents and the tech industry in the Bay Area. Since 2015, we have reached over 4,000 community members with an 87% job placement rate and 74% of our participants are people of color. Code Tenderloin was founded by Del Seymour, who was a homeless and addicted to drugs in the Tenderloin for 18 years. When Dell turned his life around, he wanted to create a program that was unique and helped people in ways that were not available when he was on the street. Again, Code Tenderloin is at 55 Taylor Street. You can give them a call at 415-787-3069 for all of their amazing programs. Go check it out. They're there to help. Yes. Those are the announcements for today. <laughs> All right. Uh, LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, is going to be calling any second now. Super excited for that. And I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. You're listening to Some Call Me Tim. Coming up later today, things are going to get weird because I'm going to be recording some commercials. My buddy under, he owns Skin on Skins, which is a, he's a leather manufacturer, self-manufacturer, and he also fixes things. If you've got leather and you need help with it, he's he can do it. Also, incredible jewelry, amazing jackets, beautiful purses. I'm wearing a belt of his right now. I also bought a bracelet from him the other day. It's really pretty. It's like gold leather with little gold studs. Really, really cute and amazing products for men and women. He also like makes leather bicycle, like 
seats, bike seats. He made the seat for his um, motorcycle. He made like side bags. He can make anything out of leather. If it's made out of leather, Under from Skin on Skins can do it. And he's also coming out with a new product line called Under, O-N-D-E-R, with an umlaut. And it's really high-end, beautiful bags, messenger bags, big briefcases, cute purses, backpacks, the whole deal. And everything's handmade. It's super couture and super gorgeous. So under Skin on Skins, check him out online. I'll be doing a commercial for him later in the show and recording it. And we are Mutiny Radio, .fm and .sf. We have a bunch of great, great, great podcasts that are still happening. A lot of people are sheltering in place still for COVID, and they've been sending in their shows via internet, and we play them during their time, like Bug House Square, one of my favorite shows every Tuesday from 8 to 10. Also, check out Flat Black Plastic every Saturday from noon to 2 with Scott Walker, a really excellent soundscape of vinyl that he creates other really cool shows we have going on here at the station. The Weekly Review with Roman Weimer every Friday from noon to two. All the important news that you aren't going to get everywhere else, Roman finds it. And it's amazing. Uh, puts out some really important uh, news articles, especially about the LGBTQ community. And But we're all in the same community, uh, aren't we? We are. Other awesome shows, The Final Hour with Nathan Metzloff, every Sunday from 10 to midnight. Great, great, great stuff. Old Soul Radio, also on Sundays from 8 to 10. If you would like to have a show at Mutiny Radio, it's only 100 bucks a month. You get a weekly two-hour slot. You can do anything you want in. It's uh, 100% free speech. Obviously, we, highway, we shy away from hate speech, but you can fuck swear to your heart's content. <laughs> That's except on my Friday show when we do outdoor comedy here on Fridays now it has to be clean because our neighbors have children and we are in a neighborhood and we care about our neighbors and we don't want their children hearing all of our comedic filth so we keep it clean on Fridays at 7 so I hope you listen to that it's under the happy hour but the first hour of that from 6 to 7 is comedy inside With masks, only six people allowed in the building at a time. Everyone's wearing masks. It's an open mic, and you can be dirty because we're not putting it on the street. Come on, Latoya. Give me a call. I've done all my announcements. Uh, Things are going great, though, for the station comedy-wise. Again, Mutiny Radio presents all over town, which is amazing and makes me so incredibly happy. Also, the show that you just listened to, the AltaCast, every other Wednesday, we do CPCL Choose Poetry, Choose Life, which, I mean, enriches my life in ways that you can't understand. I love poetry, which is weird. Or not. I mean, I love language. I think it's really important and political, and, and I miss it. I mean, I love comedy. And I have a theory that comedy and poetry are the same thing. You know, they're just words crafted to elicit an emotional response. And in comedy's case, it's laughter. And in poetry's case, it's any frickin' feeling that you want to feel. Which, I mean, I love writing love poems. Although, what was I reading the other day? And they said, ugh, don't write love poems. It's too easy. Oh, I was rereading... 
Rainier Maria Rilke's book, Letters to a Young Poet. And it's letters written in between 1904 and 1906 to a young poet who just wrote Rainier Rilke, just asking questions, saying like, hey, I really like your poems. What Can you give me any advice? And then they started this correspondence, and um, he published all of Rilke's 10 letters. And only one of them's like kind of banal, but the rest of them are just chock full of important philosophical ideas for a poet it's I, I it's akin to me to oh there she is it's akin to um a room of one's own by virginia wolf but for boys there she is there oops, that was uh, there she is it's latoya the sheriff hey. of truth hi I figured, I figured i'd give you a little bit more extra minute oh you're the best you're the best uh, I just went through, it was actually kind of good because I, I got a piece of paper on the street the other day, day from Code Tenderloin and I was able to read that to people. There's a place in the Tenderloin that has all of these really great classes uh, and uh, resources for questionably housed and uh, low income folks. So that was great. But hey, you're here. It's so. Yes, and happy former Thanksgiving. To yeah. All. How was I your. It went by quick. Yeah. Like, it's already been almost a week. Yeah. Yeah. But How, did you quick. just did you just stay at home and uh Oh, yeah. yeah. We yeah. stayed at home, and it was just three of us, and we cooked and watched uh, planes, trains, and automobiles because Perfect. that's one of my favorite to start the holiday films and uh, Home Alone and stuff like that. Yes, you know, yes. So good Christmas white people movies mm-hmm. yeah i just went over i went to a friend's house and it was just the three of us as well so we kept it really small and it's people that i cut comedy with all the time so it's like if any one of us had it we'd all have it already so it was like we're freaking safe just the three of us but none of us have it everything's fine so i just i can't believe the fact that americans are still thinking like there's nothing going on. Like mm. I would have sworn, like people would have been a little bit wiser about traveling. Yeah, but that's bonkers to me. Yeah, and one of my buddies, uh, they just came back from Indianapolis and said that the entire, the entire flight was full. Like they, there weren't any oh, yeah. spaces between seats. It was just everyone sitting next to each other, just like normal, and. They complained about, like, oh, having my mask on for six hours was a drag. And I'm like, what? dude, I, I just can't imagine that air, that airplanes aren't taking – I guess they figure that if everyone's already in there, they're already in there. I, I don't know. I'm not flying anywhere. I'm not going to get on a plane until this is over. I think it's nuts. I mean, I won't even get on the bus, and that's with the window open. So – why would I get on a plane where the window is closed and everyone keeps saying, oh, well, they're recycling the air every 10 minutes or something. No, and no, I'm like, are bullshit. they? I don't, I think it's a lot. Every time I've that flown, it's gotta be bullshit. Every time I've ever flown before COVID, I always get sick. No matter what, like, because, because you're in the air and you're locked in exactly. with everyone else's germs. Mm-hmm. How do people forget about certain biology? Like, I'm not good at science, but I at least know um, when you're trapped amongst like a hundred and so people on a full flight, mm-hmm. no telling what anyone has. We're in flu season, cold season, and COVID. Right, right. 
I mean, I would I wouldn't be getting on a plane. Like I said, I won't even get on a bus. And I mean, it has to be really, really late at night. It has to be like, you know, it has to be dark outside and super cold. Otherwise, I'll even walk. I'll walk the two and a half miles. Like it's not, it's not a big deal. But getting on the bus to me still. And someone got on the bus the other, it was late night and I was getting home and someone got on the bus without a mask and the bus driver goes, you can't come on without a mask. And they're like, oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And it's like, well, you get it before you get on the bus, dummy. Like, I just, oh it's, I'm glad the bus driver said something. Yeah, well, we. I think that people are getting a little better about the public shaming or not even just the stink eye, but literally like saying, put on a mask. What are you doing? Don't go into a grocery store. Don't go into the, the corner store without a mask on. I mean, we, there has to be, we have to just change our level of thinking where like you might feel safe nope. for yourself, but you have to care about your fellow man, like your fellow woman, no your shoes. fellow human. Put on no the shoes, mask. No shoes, no shirt, no mall. Right? They should change all those signs. I 100% agree. No shirt, no it's shoes, no mask, hard. no service. It's not that hard. It's really not. And now that the city's in purple, um, just everyone just Ew. keep being safe. I, It boggles my mind that some people are like, well, it's over. It's like, no, it isn't. We've had a huge surge in cases here in San Francisco. Who said it's over? Oh, I mean, well, you know who tried to say it was over was, or who hasn't recanted, who we haven't heard from is 45. Where has he been? He's too busy uh, by, uh, bribing people for pardon. Right? Oh, my gosh. Well, but he, hey, let him be pardoned for his tax crimes now because – in 20 years, we are going to try him for war crimes for his silence during this time. This I am very here's my here's my rant for the day. I am so angry that his silence is going to cause hundreds of thousands of deaths. First, he kept saying, "Oh, it's going away, it's going away." Then, after the inauguration, he said nothing, and we went we had a huge surge in cases after Halloween. Why? Because all you dumb fucking millennials wanted to fuck each other and go to parties and spit in each other's mouth and let's dance, dance, dance. You dumb dumb Oh, you all got COVID. And that was just one and that's not even the most the, the craziest holiday. So you've got Halloween cases go right up. Then we've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And that our administration hasn't come out and said, this is a dangerous thing, wear your masks, stay inside, fucking don't go anywhere. That they haven't stood up to say anything right now. And that they haven't been things. It's our government that tells us what to do. For the, I mean, I'm a, I'm a free thinker and I'm a critical thinker. And so I think about these things. But not everybody does because we've already dumbed everyone down in our American education. And they, if we don't put it on the internet, we don't put it on their Twitter feed, and we don't constantly say it, they don't do it. So everybody thinks that they're fucking safe right now. And they're not. It's getting more dangerous. And from, we just had a bigger rise in cases. Why? Because we just had Thanksgiving. Next week, there's going to be, you're going to see an astronomical rise in the numbers. Why? Because of Thanksgiving. And we're still going into Christmas and we're still going into New Year's. I think in 20 years, we're going to try, well, unless he's already dead, he'll probably be dead. But post posthumously, I hope he dies. But posthumously, they're going to try him for war crimes because watch this. How many people, okay. because of the 72 days of administrative silence between the the election and the inauguration? And you know what? When Joe Biden gets in, the first thing he's going to say is, oh, my God, you guys, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> right? 
Okay, rant, I, rant over. Here's, here's where I disagree with you. No, he will not get tried on this COVID. But here is some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I think her name is uh, the uh, Attorney General of New York. The, the reason why he's running scared now, 45, um, and trying to, when I said uh, he's bribing people for pardons, he's actually having people pay him for pardons. Mm. Like we have Rudy Giuliani right now uh-huh. asking them to pardon him, knowing that Rudy, Gi- Rudy and Giuliani under investigated for the Russia stuff, but he hasn't been. Uh, uh, charged with anything. Mm. So that says a lot. But going back to what you said, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the Attorney General of New York, he's running, she is out to get him, and she's going to get him Good. on taxes in New York State. It doesn't matter. Here's something, ladies and gentlemen, that you have to, cause I don't know if you've talked about this before in the show, but just because the president pardons you, that's federal. There's still state. So New York State has charges against Donald Trump once he comes out of office. So they're going to get him somehow, some way. Yeah, I hope so. Um, the, with the COVID cases, um, I think what it is, in my opinion, never mind the, the, the Colts 45 members, the Trump supporters, forget about them. I think it's selfishness on top of people thinking that people are just like tired of being locked in. Also, people feel like, well, I want to turn up anyway, which is that comes selfishness anyway. And, you know, I just, I think people are being really, those people outside Trumpsters are Selfish and either ill-informed, which I'll give them that benefit, or just don't care, you know, and which is sad because I was hearing these stories of people flying home over Thanksgiving saying that, you know, my dad was sick. That's a strike right there. So you're going home to visit your dad while he was sick. And she said, my dad was sick and I missed him and I wanted to go see him. Okay, so if he was sick, why would you put his life even in more jeopardy by flying cross country to see him? Right. You could be making him sick or dead. Right. And that's the thing, people. I think what's going on right now is there's no logic, there's no common sense going on, there's no critical thinking. Mm. This individual out individualism mm. that. For the past, which I've seen in the past four years, rise and in, in, it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what political ideology on both sides. I've seen this individualism grow, and it's really grotesque. And they think, well, I want to do this so I can do this for someone. No, you're still thinking about I. You're not thinking about that other person that you're putting in danger, though it could be a stranger or a friend or a family member. Yeah. And it's what people aren't realizing either is, well, A, we called critical thought from our education system. So it's our fault that we have dumb people. Absolutely. From 2000 uh, to 2008. Uh, uh, it's George Bush's fault. Yeah, it's George Bush's <laughs> fault with no child left behind. 100% teaching to the test. And uh, from 2000 to 2008, everyone who's, who was educated during that time uh 
definitely was given a raw deal. So first, it's it's the lack of critical thought, but it's also just the lack of understanding of science. This is a disease yeah. that is airborne. It comes mm-hmm. from your mouth, and it's air. It comes from your it comes from your mucus, and it's airborne. That is scary, and but that there's such a because it's spit based or whatever. There's such an easy way to keep people safe, and it's the masks and the concept that our government isn't that every single person isn't like crazy about masks right now and talking about it and making it a big deal and putting them on children and putting them on everybody that we still have huge sections of the country that are like masks man I can do whatever I want I don't have to wear you can't tell me to wear a mask I'm an American I'm American that's just gross and sad it makes no sense you being American, listen, death don't care what nationality you are. Mm-hmm. Death comes for everybody. Yeah. And if you do not take precautions from death, such as this disease, well, I guess American or not, it's going to make you go six feet under. Well, and you know, it's so much <laughs> scarier than AIDS because it's a different, or than HIV. They're both a virus, except that HIV is actually pretty hard to get. Like... You have to have unprotected sex and have like, I mean, there's, it's just way more difficult to get. And that we may. In contact can be an airplane. And contact can be from anywhere. It doesn't have to be intimate contact. It's just contact. It's so much scarier than HIV was or is because it still exists, but that. We made such a big deal about HIV. I was so scared as a child of HIV. So scared. Mm-hmm. And they put that into us. And that's a good thing. I've never gotten an STD. And I'm 46 years old. How did that happen? Because they put the fear of God into me during the 80s about the HIV. So why are we not putting the fear of God into people about COVID? And and how is it how is it that there's a lot of people that are like, how is it that our own administration, our own president was a denier for so long and doesn't put down the rumors of hoax? And that when people keep saying it's a hoax, we have to say, no, you fucking stupid idiots. Stop. It's not. It's real. It's real. And the reason that a lot of people didn't get it is that we had all of these lockdown procedures in place. And now over time, people are going, oh, well, you know, the lockdown's kind of over. No, it's not. It's surging no, again because – and, uh, and it's just incredibly selfish to think, well, I'm healthy, so it's fine. It's like, whoa. And it's not – you know, and here's the thing. We're almost at a year. In March will be a year yeah. of this pandemic. Mm. And it's, by the way, 2021, ladies and gentlemen, it's still going to be the same, you know, because, again, you know, you have the U.K. right now that I believe they just opened back up today. Yeah. But yeah. they were shut down. The whole country was shut down for a month. Right. Now, mind you, there were some crazy people that were anti-maskers and, uh, you know, anti-quarantiners that were out there. Small little protests that happened, but they they were trying again to get it under control. And by the way, their prime minister is a Tory. And if anyone knows about 
British government, a Tory is just as comparable as to a Republican, oh. and that's Boris Johnson. And so the fact that he had COVID early on, and he was like, oh, my, let me do another shutdown. But there wasn't any testing in the UK, mm. so that's why the cases went up. But yeah. even here, if they try to shut us down for a month, we can't even get two weeks correct. That's true. Yeah. We couldn't even do two weeks because our government, one party that we're thinking of, decided to make it political about it's a hoax. Don't wear a mask. Go out and eat and, and do life as usual. Go back to work. You don't need a stimulus. Oh, remember, uh, remember, remember Texas that was like, hey, old people, take one for the team. Go back to work. That's exactly I'm what like, I'm What? That's exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking of, Pam. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of. Texas. Exactly. Which is a state, that's the Texas, that, uh, excuse me, Texas was one of the states that I was, I was thinking of that didn't completely shut down for a whole full, maybe two weeks. I'll give them that. Yeah. Same with Georgia. And the cases, and these two states that I'm talking about have the highest, the highest cases. Uh, now the Dakotas are the, the hot spot mm. because you had early in the summer those rednecks and the bikers at Sturgis. They wanted to the, have their uh, bike-a-thon. Like, I think there was like 10,000 people oh that God. showed up, and they have it every year. Oh. And of course there were a bunch of Trumpers. Um, and they left the town and then left the town getting sick, and then those people went to back to their homes in different states and started to spread. Yeah. And so that is where we are now. Can, can and they're, they're saying the people, they're, a lot of the, um, the, the out, basically a lot of people that went to that gathering this summer at Sturgis, that's one of the reasons why the Midwest has its uh, big highest cases now because they're tracing it back to the Sturgis. Uh, motorcycle uh, yeah. hillbilly gala. It's the hillbilly gala. You're so funny. Well, uh, Sonoma yeah. County, Sonoma County, and San Francisco County right now are tied with the lowest number of deaths. We're both at 160. So San Francisco County is the city and county of San Francisco. So it's a seven by seven square, and about a million people live in San Francisco, and we only have 160 deaths. So. And we're a city. When you're looking at Sonoma County, it's a bunch of small towns, and that we have the same death count as them, I think, is remarkable for a large city. Even Los Angeles County, though, which is huge and isn't just Los Angeles, it's obviously much larger, is 7,700 deaths right now. So, oh, yeah, they're going up. That's it. People in LA acting a fool. Yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, LA County is really huge. So, that's but but if you think about it and numbers wise San Francisco has like the lowest the lowest count which I think is remarkable and that we should all pat ourselves on the back even Sacramento County has 591 deaths uh, Orange County 1578 San Diego 1019 San Diego's a big county they're doing pretty well with 1019 deaths although they have 83486 cases we only have 15800 cases here in San Francisco County 400 well, you know why we, 
I think we're doing pretty good, but I, I want to go back to when you were talking about SoCal and, and like Orange County and San Diego, because that's where you have those crazy ass Trumpers and those anti-maskers. Mm -hmm. But you said, what was the total of San Diego County? San Diego uh, County. San Diego County has 83,436 cases and 1,019 1, deaths. So... Uh, that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of cases. Again, we only we have some of the lowest number of cases with fifteen thousand eight hundred. Los Angeles County has four hundred and nine thousand cases. That's up seven thousand four hundred and eighty-one cases. Um, I'm not sure if that's, that's since yesterday bad. or what's going on, but it's it's unbelievable what's happening. And California overall has lower numbers than a lot of other places if you look at if you look at the ratio of people to all that kind of stuff um, i just got something from um let's see Huffington post saying that kate lee mcdemi defended trump holiday party mm. so at the trailer park white house <laughs> they plan on having a bunch of holiday parties um with the coronavirus infections and hospitalization surging, President Arnold Trump will carry holiday parties as usual. Um, mm -hmm. And so they will include, they will, the plans will be to have at least 25, get this, 25 indoor holiday parties this month. 25. All will in include more than 50 deaths. Mm, no. Are you kidding me? So See, that means they're going to have a party every day. Hold on. How you, hold on. Let me, let me backtrack. Do math. How are you going to have 25 parties? Is that a party every day? It's more than a party, a party a day. every day. It's a party every day. And then that's, it will include more than 50 guests? It's... I it's exactly what I was saying, that the administration, the people in charge are ignoring the problem. We are not supposed to gather. Are they all going to be wearing masks? Probably not. Are they all going to no, be are they all going to be six feet distanced? Probably not. No. what because but here's the thing. It's these rich fucks, these people with power and influence. Guess what? Diseases don't care how rich you are. They don't care how many yachts you have. It's a fuck. but you know what? Let let the stupid rich people die. Why not? The president already had COVID. Let's let's let him infect everyone else too, and all of that. And let's take let's take down the arist the American aristocracy if they're too stupid. So don't gather. What they think they're more special than the rest of us? That everyone else everyone else has to yeah, stay at, away in their homes and not. But they're so special because they're so rich that they can all gather. No, you're human. Yeah, they do. You dumb, that. dumb, and, rich and humans. So and then the thing, damn, what's really messed up is for the past several months, there's been an outbreak at the White House. Yeah, yeah. There's been an outbreak with almost every, like, Republican, like, uh, operative or someone who's worked in the administration. I like that word, that. operative. Every Republican operative. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're undermining all of us, which I think they are. They're undermining, they're undermining our own policies to keep people safe. And I think that it really comes down to entitlement. They think they're more entitled 
then there, but here's the thing. Diseases don't see entitlement. They don't. A anyone can get cancer. Anyone can get COVID. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't avoid it. I mean, you can avoid it by not gathering, by not going to parties, by wearing masks, by only going out when it's necessary. Like, it does. It sucks being away from people. It's hard. It's lonely. It's difficult. I get it. But if you are going to go out, at least be safe. Keep your distance. Like, I mean, I'm understanding in that I also own a small business and I work with other small businesses. And right now, having a restaurant is incredibly difficult and people are adapting the best they can, adapt or die. And we have all of these outdoor venues and that's safer. And yeah, is it going to be cold tonight at Asiento? Yeah, it is. But everyone's going to eat outside and we're going to listen to jokes. And I have microphones that are different for every comedian so that they don't have to worry about infecting each other and we're everyone is six feet apart from each other and it's all outdoors and everyone's wearing masks so if we are incredibly anal about how we participate in public good but we can't let our guard down just because it's christmas time or just because i'm sick of this it's been almost a year it's like adapt or die <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of adapted guy, um, I just want to—I I just saw this uh, article about San Francisco bans cigarette smoking in apartments, but pot is still allowed. Oh. Um, city officials in San Francisco have banned all tobacco smoking inside apartments, citing concerns about secondhand smoke. But lighting up a joint inside is still allowed. Uh, it voted ten to one on Tuesday to approve that ordinance. Um, here in the city, and the origin proposal sought to ban residents from. The original proposal was to sought to ban residents from smoking marijuana in apartments. Supervisors voted to exclude marijuana after cannabis activists said the law would take away their legal place to smoke. It's illegal under state laws to smoke cannabis in public places. But unlike tobacco smokers who still live in apartments. Um, they to step out on the curb or smoke and other prevent outdoor smoking areas are allowed. So there have been uh, 63 cities here in the state of California that have banned uh, cigarette smoking in their apartments. I don't agree with this. I don't agree. Really? I mean, cigarette smoke sticks and pot smoke doesn't. It's it, one of those things where if, if you go into a smoker's house you know they're a smoker. Like, it sticks to everything. Exactly. And if you own your house and you want to smoke in it, fine. But, I mean, the apartment I walls the apartment walls are already thin noise-wise, which means they must be thin, like, smell-wise. I mean, I'm sure it could... I don't, I don't know about the how safe or unsafe it is, but... Uh, you know, I, the, I, I smoke cigarettes and I don't have a problem with it. I'm like, yeah, don't smoke inside. It's gross. I'm a former smoker and I don't like the smell. And yes, you know when you're walking into a smoker's home. But here's what I have to say. If you are a renter, and here's something that maybe landlords could work with. I don't think it's fair for smokers. If you're paying rent, this is your home. You mm -hmm. may not own it, but you're paying rent to live there. Yeah. I think you should have the right to basically, you know, 
smoke in your home, just like you drink alcohol and possibly do cocaine and smoke crack in your home, <laughs> as long as you're there, as long as you're the rent's paid and there's no property damage. Right. But here's also too, once that person leaves, they might get charged a fee if there's any smoke residuals sure. left in the house. Sure, because so it is it example, can't property carpet, damage. Yeah. Yeah. So car carpets catch a lot of nicotine. Yeah. So if you don't clean that carpet before you leave out of that apartment space, you shouldn't be able to get fined or not your security deposit back right. or something like that. But I don't think that you should completely ban cigarette smoking in your dorm domain. In your the majority of people here in San Francisco are renters. So that means you're just, so everyone's just going to be outside smoking? I, I mean, guess. I don't... I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think it's infringing. It's it's infringing on people's rights. That's just me. I I agree with you, but think about places like Davis, California, where there's a law: you cannot stand still and smoke a cigarette. You have to be walking. They have a what? Yeah, there's a law in Davis. Uh, I lived okay, there for that's a while. Ridiculous. Yeah. So not only so there's a couple laws. One, you can't. You have to be 20 feet away from any open door. Right, which I know get. that one, yeah. But totally. also in Davis, you have to be moving while you're smoking if you're outside. You can't stay in one place. Oh, hell which no. I, I think it's hilarious. I mean, what if you're just walking in a tiny circle? Is that okay? Like, but it, you, but you have to be moving. Um, there's all kinds of weird laws that people that's, pass. That's see, that's ridiculous. You know, since the smoking ban, like I. In Illinois, we we had we got our smoking ban in January first of two thousand eight, and I was so happy because working at a bar and coming home and smell and this is when I was a smoker at the time and just having the stench of smoke left on your yeah. clothes and in your hair for a twelve hour Ugh, shift. Yeah, yeah, your the hair. Yeah, it's uh -huh. painful. Yeah, um, but I also so I was like, yeah. Let them go outside. I don't care if it's winter time. Just don't bring. You have to. You have to, uh, the Illinois rule was you had to be 15 feet away from the door in, yeah. before you light up. Fine with that, but come on, really? Now you're gonna ban people from smoking in their apartment, and you have to walk in order for you to smoke. You have to be moving. Well, that's just Davis. So, that's not here. That's not in San Francisco. Yeah, but yeah. Oh no, that's Davis. That's but, Davis, California. Still, yeah. San Francisco, you can still stand still and smoke. Well, it's one of those things of like, it's a philosophical conversation of how the government is supposed to protect the people. If the government truly wants to protect the people, wouldn't cigarettes just be illegal? I mean, they're really, really bad for you. <laughs> um, and yet yeah. it's a huge, it's a huge business that a lot of, you know, what, what is, what is the government's role in social protection and isn't it silly that we're having social protections about cigarette smoke when you know isn't covid a much bigger fish to fry right now Thank and you. and we're worried we we're worried about we smoking indoors and yet hey if we really wanted to be if we really wanted to lock things down we would have done like what some of the some of the countries in asia did where when you if you walk into if you leave your house, you have to have written permission by the government. You have to have your temperature taken when you go into any building. 
everyone needs to be wearing masks. I mean, there's there's a lot more precautions that have been put in place in other countries that squashed it more quickly because we as Americans feel like we have too many rights because I, or that we can somehow police ourselves. So it's like our government wants to police us on smoking, but they're not heavily policing us on wearing masks in the street. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't, I just feel like the priorities get a little bit totally effed up and it just, just act backwards yeah. when it comes to certain things. Like I don't like the smell of smoke, so I get it, you know, but I also see, I put myself in the place of when I was a smoker. And, and by the way, when I was a smoker, I barely smoked in my apartment yeah, because I didn't too. want that smell in my house. Right. I can only, I can count on like one hand how many times I've smoked in my apartment in a total of eight years. Yeah, yeah. And it was either I would, and the window was, I was always at the window blowing the smoke outside. Right. Or, you know, I would have to go out on the porch and light up yeah. when I was smoking. And that, you know, but I mean, to have a ban, like, there's so many other things that we could be banning other than this. Yeah. And and here's another thing. If you want to sock it to smoking and individuals that smoke, how about you hit people like, I don't know, uh, uh, Phil Morris, Philip Morris. They're a big conglomerate of nicotine. Um, who's the other one? Uh, uh, who does Winston? That. Those are oh, big, big corporations. Yeah. JP, uh, not JP Morgan. There was another one. But anyway, the point is, how about you find those companies that I don't, that still sell the product, or you know, they, they're basically. How about you do something about some of these corporations that are in charge of um, turning people into smoking? And no one's really smoking cigarettes anymore that much anyway. If anything, it's the pens. Right. <laughs> it's all those, uh, what do they call the jewels? all in the uproar. Because I know most people now, my friends who used to smoke, don't smoke anymore because either it's too expensive, um, it just got old, and they know, or they know what comes with the territory if they keep smoking. Right. So... Or they've either cut back or they want to quit. So, I mean. It's pretty, I mean, I'm it's, it's dangerous. We should invest in education so that kids don't start smoking. But I know that goes against the corporations that want to sell things <laughs> to people. <laughs> and so, How can we invest more in lung cancer? Invest well, in more research in lung cancer. That's the other thing about Our, COVID is that everyone's been focused on COVID, but all of these other diseases still exist. Breast cancer is still around, cervical cancer, uh, I'm just thinking about lady cancers, but lung cancer, you know, COPD, heart disease, there's all of these things that are still huge components. And we've sort of put them all to the wayside as like health issues, because now everyone's so jacked up on COVID. Uh, we still have huge problems with drugs in the community we still have huge opiate addiction issues and uh, overdose situations 
I've been seeing so many people smoking heroin on the street in San Francisco. It's getting to be normalized. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that guy's smoking heroin right now. Oh, okay, yeah, that's sounds about right. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we still have, we still have a lot of, I feel like, although COVID needs to take center stage right now, I think that we can't forget that we still had a lot of problems in the world before before this global oh, pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, we still have huge issues with global warming. We still have, I mean, what else do we have? We have everything still a problem. But now we're, our focus is, is different. White supremacy is a disease. Right. Oh, my God. The, the racist, the racism uh, that's, that's in our system is uh, still there. Yep. No justice, no peace. Oh, before I go, I wanted to also uh, mention this. This is something I read in the news um, about uh, the, uh, what is it, Me Too? (laughs) I think you'll get a kick out of this because Pam and I, we would make fun of the movement. At first we were for the movement, and then we noticed the bullshit. Yeah. And how... A couple years ago, you read about the Aziza Sari uh, right. on the podcast. Right. The girl um, who was like, ah, he, he like finger banged me and he went down on me. And uh, and it's like, yeah. And, and and he didn't let me get red wine. He got white wine. I'm 23 and yeah. I'm a graduate student. And he's a famous person. But I am so amazing and scintillating. <sighs> so... What is going on is the Me Too and the Time Out movement. I haven't heard of the Time Out movement. The Time's Up, sorry, the Time's Up movement. It was the Time's Up. It was the Me Too and the hashtag Time's Up, you know, with all those celebrities saying, you know, Time's Up. People like Harvey Weinstein, you know, that bullshit. Right, right, right. Anyway, so all the money that they had got did not go to certain charities to help with any kind of uh, uh, sexual abuse or misconduct on the job or or in the workforce period. A lot of that money went to either Hollywood producers or politicians. Really? Wow. Yes. I'm not surprised, but that makes me sad I'm not and angry. The reason why I wanted to bring this up because we, it's they call this a sad tale of Times Up and Hollywood felt activism, and so this is what it, I'll read it very quickly. Um, look at the Times Up movement. Uh, this is from the New York Post. Last week, in the glittery Hollywood organization that meant to help underprivileged women fight workplace sexual harassment and abuse. That just three thousand and twelve, or excuse me, three hundred thousand and twelve dollars of the more than three million raised in 2018. It's a non-union year on legal bills for victims. The rest went to salaries, 1.4 million in advertising and PR, and nearly one million on multinational law firms and lobbyists in DC. After Harvey Weinstein was ousted as the senior creditor and the rapist in October of 2017, Time's Up 
along with hashtag MeToo, exploded. And Weinstein's wake a powerful man, they feel like dominoes. They give you the names, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, Al Franken, which I still think he shouldn't be on there. Um, yeah, okay. So, all right. So, basically, the Time's Up um, launched in January of 2018. All women, regardless of social economics, were to fight this together. And so, here we are now. This is, it, we knew that this was bullshit. And we called this early on that something about this movement just doesn't seem right. Right, yeah. And I think... When you read that, and I, I I believe you read that on the air in January or February of 2018, yeah. when the movement, when all that shit was still going on, and we started to question things about this movement, like it now they, and I think you mentioned about now it seems like they're just trying to take down anyone that looks at them or if they have a bad date. Right. Well, you know. And so now we. So it, the, my, my problem with the Me Too movement is that I think that it discounts like real sexual assault and, and what we should be, we should be focusing on if, if sexual assault has occurred, yes, we need to, this is something we need to talk about. Absolutely. But I just feel like they took it so far and it was, there's a thing about feminism that, that I don't think people necessarily understand. It's that you, you take responsibility for your own actions and where you are in a place and then you also say other people's actions hey let's all let's let's discuss what's going on but let's be honest about it and I mean I think women really need to start looking at what situations we put ourselves in now should every situation be safe absolutely but is that going to happen in the world no way so it's one of those things of like I know that I live in the tenderloin. I know that if I'm walking after dark, I, I, I mean, I don't feel danger, but I want to I wanna have wherewithal. I don't want to, like, walk around drunk, throwing money around and being like, I'm drunk. That's dumb. Like, know where you are. Take responsibility for your actions in a situation. Take a cab when you're drunk. Don't walk. Like, don't, how about don't have six drinks and not eat dinner and then go, oh, I was sexually assaulted. It's like you blacked out and you might have been giving enthusiastic consent. And because you don't remember. I've been in that situation where I'm sure in my drunkenness I was giving enthusiastic consent. And then later I'm like, oh, did I, I mean, did I want that to happen? I guess. I mean, no. I don't know. Of course Once... not. It's, it's just the fact of that we, you know, when we were talking about this, and when we first had this come out, we're like, this is pretty cool. But then you start to see certain things. Like, basically, what I'm just trying to say is the hypocrisy and the fact that there is a reason why I wasn't so gung-ho at the Me Too Times Up movement in the first place, because it just seemed like a bunch of rich people parading, and and it, it, it didn't seem like it was anything that was going to be effective. It felt like exploitation, and what they were using was sexual abuse as exploitation for them to make money and bring some men down. Certainly, 
a lot of those men deserved it, but there certainly sure were not certain men that deserve it. And that is leaving a dirty skid mark on feminism. Thanks, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, I really think that I wish we could all just be more educated about all kinds of issues, but specifically like I'm a pretty hardcore feminist and I think that women should be valued equally to men and that would be really nice. And, and I, I wish that I wish that no one could ever be assaulted, whether it be sexually or physically, but man, I don't. I don't know. I don't know but how to. I, I don't know how to change the world other than dialogue. I think it's pretty grimy though to use something traumatic as rape or assault or harassment to be the face of that. Beg for money, and then not, and then leave those people who actually count on that movement or some of those proceeds to go to those who need it. Yeah. to different social economic uh, to different uh, communities yeah. and to find out that oh it went to Washington lobbyists and Hollywood elite yeah. great that sucks that's definitely well, I mean it left it dirty it, it, it was a, it's a skin mark on feminism well and lo- lobbyists have- lobbyists are dirty Anyways, the reason they were called lobbyists originally is that they weren't allowed into the House. They weren't allowed into the rooms of the Senate or the House of Representatives. They had to actually stay in the lobby. So they were called lobbyists. And now it feels like lobbyists are moving everybody with their money, that that they're inside everyone's – their pockets are inside of everyone else's pockets, and that money is what moves and truly changes our administration and that's really sad because lobbyists are supposed to be on the outside influencing they're not supposed to be so important in the inner circles money should not affect what laws and rules are put into place by our government or administration it shouldn't be that way but it is i mean money is what makes everything move around and i think that's why the black lives matter movement hasn't taken as large a role or has, hasn't been as visual or hasn't been seen by people like, like I see you, I see where you're coming from because where is the money? Where are the lobbyists? If, if like the, the tobacco industry got involved with black lives matter, you would see immediately some changes <laughs> being made because the money would be there. And that makes me so sad that a real issue where American lives are being lost and Americans are being disenfranchised because of the color of their skin, that we're not throwing money at that. And we throw money at everything. And then we're just, but we're like, let's, let's give money, more money to the, you know, to the motion picture association. Let's get, I mean, Let's let the corporations rule our world. And that's why we're not seeing the change that we want to see. And then they snow us with this, well, voting really works. And it and it does on a, on a local level. But when it comes to, like, big national issues, I think that the money of lobbyists are, is speaking more heavily than the voice of the people. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah which is really sad because 
I, I just don't want people to forget about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I, and I think that police brutality needs to take center stage again in that we need to say, hey, look, this is still a problem. It's still a huge problem. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to address it in my act right now by acknowledging my own white privilege in my act where I tell the story about how when I was drunk on the street and the police gave me a ride home and I was telling that story to one of my buddies uh, who's black and he was like, oh yeah, when I was in Vegas, my wife got arrested for being drunk and we were out, we went out of the restaurant to smoke a cigarette and she was being kind of loud and belligerent on the streets, but we were in Vegas and they arrested her for being super drunk. And I was like, Oh, what? And then he spent all of these hours getting her out of jail and getting her out of the drunk tank and the whatnot. And I was like, oh my God, that's pretty, she was doing the same, the exactly same thing I was doing. The only difference is I'm white and she's black. Same, we're the same age, same demographic, same financial demographic. And yet me waving my shoes belligerently in the street, getting a cab calls over a police officer, I get a ride home, her being belligerent in the street, waving her shoes in the air, cop comes over, she gets arrested. So I'm glad you I'm glad you noticed. I mean, I always give you kudos for at least noticing that. Because there's still a lot of people out here. Mostly the fifty seven percent demographic. Mm. And when I say that when I say the 57%, those are the white people I don't trust. Those are the ones that voted for Trump. Right. Um, so those 57%, which are the majority of white people in America, don't even recognize that privilege. Yeah. So yeah, that anytime we, you... Being handed ahead. everything, being born on third base, I mean, not not being arrested for no reason, not being thrown on the ground in a protest and murdered uh, by the police. Um, it's, I mean, it's something that we all, we need to start looking at, like that the, the privilege, even if we don't recognize our white privilege, we need to look at what's happening to other people and say, wait a minute, how come they don't have this privilege and therefore... Acknowledge your white privilege. <laughs> like, I think that it would change if we could have a little more empathy. It'll make things a little bit easier for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. Everyone. Open your eyes, friends. Uh, any last words, Sheriff of Truth, before we uh, exhumed into the night, into the day? Uh, get tested, wear a mask, and uh, pop some popcorn for the uh, Trump shit show coming up January 21st. Amen. Yeah, go get tested. There's a lot of free testing places um, all over San Francisco, the city proper. Even today, I walked by one on Ellis Street, and the street's shut down, and they have everybody socially distanced, and they have people in hazmat suits, and it's free testing. There's also free testing here in the Mission. It's, It's all over the place. There's no reason not to get tested. Even if even if you're not exhibiting symptoms, go get tested because it's one of those Let's things. You can be asymptomatic. So I know it sucks to have your nose swabbed and it hurts a little bit, but come on, friends. Okay. 
keep keep let's all keep each other safe let's have san francisco have the lowest death rate percentage in the country let's do it friends only 160 so let's keep those numbers down and let's get give the middle finger to socal yeah right well i what what we like the smell of our own farts. Yeah, we're wearing masks. You know, that's one of the things about social distance that's been so nice. I was in line at Grocery Outlet yesterday, and the man in front of me, six feet, laid a huge fart. And it was far enough away that it just didn't even affect me whatsoever. Social distancing, right? Let's think about the good thing of masks. No one's seen my oh, neck. You know, he if he didn't smell it. Oh, I heard it. Oh, he crop, oh, he crop oh. dusted. It was loud. And I was like, oh, oh, you're far enough away. I can't even smell that, baby. Um, and no one can see, no one can see my neck because I wear like a cowl. So you don't have to see how old I am or my wrinkles. I look so young with a mask on. And if I'm wearing sunglasses, ugh, people think I'm in my 20s. Also, all the money saved on lipstick, lip gloss. Amazing. Great stuff. Thank I you, masks. I, know, I wish being, I miss being pretty too. <laughs> but but it's okay. People yell at me in the street. Show me that pretty mouth. And uh, it's it's different times now that it's COVID. <laughs> so glad you oh think God, my jokes are funny. Sweet. Well, you're the best. I can't wait until this is over so that I can hug you, and we can have a show in person. But it's always a joy to speak to you on the phone. It's always a joy to speak to you, my dear. Yay! And wonderful audience that listens to us. Woohoo! Yeah, our numbers were good last month. So, yay. Yay. I know, even we'll in this crazy pandemic. We'll with a bang or a cough. Yeah, hey, just remember, every cough that I have came from pot, okay? It's not COVID. <laughs> it's a, it's, if you hear me coughing, it's because I, I did too many dabs. <laughs> I've been dabbing too hard, and that's where my coughs it's are coming so from. Cool. Well, you're the best. I know, I, I love those dabs. dabs. I'll talk to you soon. Yay. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. There, there she is. It's Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. All right, I'm going to replay an old Some Call Me Tim from the uh, comedy festival this year. Um, yeah, I believe I've paid, played it in the past, but just for a little bit. Hey, go get, it's his last chance to get your tickets for dinner and a show at Asiento tonight at 7.30. Get those on Eventbrite. We still have a few tables left, so go check that out. Uh, thanks again for listening to mutinyradio.fm in .sf, and we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll, I'll be back Friday with comedy and stuff, too. Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink. Have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio. Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They were very nice. Asiento. 
El Rio. Began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene. All just a big old story. Just one of many. Made up by humans for their purposes and needs to find a way not to kill themselves every day. Ah, so you don't subscribe to this external morality kind of thing? No. How do you not kill people every day if no one tells you what's right and wrong? I have no desire to kill people. I kill as much as I like every day. Yeah? Yep. All right. I think uh, Penn Teller, Penn and Teller, um, Penn of Penn and Teller, no. Yes, the tall one. The tall Uh one that uh talks. I think that's Penn is the one who says that uh, somebody had asked him, like, if he doesn't believe in a God, then how does he not keep from raping? And he's like, I rape as much as I want to every day. (laughs) That's zero raping. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Atkins just joining us. Uh Uh-oh. Aaron Atkins. Here we are, and some call me Tim. No, the other, this, sit, do this one. Oh, you gotta, this is the better He knows mic. he's been here before. Uh, Aaron Atkins, Hello, look, deep, look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus behind you. Do you believe in Jesus? Not as a deity, but as a person, yeah. Oh, okay. So he did walk the earth. April says no walking the earth. Never existed. Nah. Not a real guy. I no. can believe that, too. I can believe that, too. I, I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying that he was at least real, but definitely not magical. It's just, it's the human need to be tribal, and it's easier to keep, I think, people kind of in line with things, give them something to work towards, and explain mysteries of life kind of all in one convenient package. Yeah. Jesus is a nice convenient package. Yeah, it's yeah. the current one, and it's, it seems to be losing hold. You know, <laughs> who knows what the next one's going to be. Yeah. We asked what we were saying yesterday is that religion just provides like meaning for people. And you yeah. Need, you need that meaning, you know? Otherwise, you're lost without it. Uh, yeah, what is your. So, and that's the thing. It, well, so, this is funny. I grew up so Christian and I used to watch movies. And if there was no God component, I'd like look up at my parents and I'd be like, I don't understand this movie. How are they living without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Like, so how weird. are they even <laughs> finding any meaning? Or they have never mentioned him, not even once. How can this even be a story? Who are these characters? That's bizarre. Because I was so, <laughs> like, yeah, sheltered and yeah. weird about, uh, just because my whole life was surrounded around this relationship with Jesus Christ, it was hard for me to imagine that people lived their life without that. It's crazy. Yeah, well, and for, and for me growing up, it was like, um, you know, like my, I remember my neighbors went to church all the time. Like the mom, the dad, and the two sons went to church all the time. And all my brothers and sisters always went to church with them. So by proxy, I went as well. How did you know they were going to church? Because they dressed up? Yeah. I mean, they were all just leaving the house as a group. They could have been going to Denny's. Uh, no, so well, they were all leaving the house Denny's. as a group. They were all going to the same place. Okay. I know because I went with them. Okay, okay. And um, it was one of those things, like, I would sit back and I would watch how people would, like, put their hands up in the air and the swang back and forth. You could tell there was some feeling there. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was missing out on something. Like, I never... I just never got that. You never got the feels from Jesus. Yeah, and I was like, what is that? And so I I was telling you earlier about the uh, paint can bead theory. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not mine. This is from a a gentleman named Vashon Bench, Mm -hmm. so just to be clear. But basically he said that his atheism is kind of like paint can beads 
that are in a paint can that he he had the super religious he had like an episcopal dad preacher dad who was like snake uh, snakes and tongues and all that mm-hmm. and he says like all the pain is out of the paint can like the religion he does not believe in it. he's solidly an atheist but those paint cans with beads are still in there and every once in a while you know in the middle of the night you're laying there and they'll shake around and oh you mean like yeah. in a spray can yeah yeah oh that's a great little image yeah, that's the leftover part of that, and that's what wakes you up in the middle right, of the night. Taking all the nitrous yes. out of the exactly. Right. <laughs> you okay. used all the huffing agents right. out of the spray paint can, exactly. and what's left is that. Yeah, I get that. And that is the bead of religion that sticks <laughs> that with sticks you. Sticks with you, but I've never had that. You never had never. the bead. Never had well, it. How do you find spirituality now? Not through I Christianity, right? Don't. I don't know what that means. Spirituality, like, you know, your connection to, like, a higher being or, like, the yeah. things around you in a metaphysical way? No. Not at all? No, I have no idea what that yeah. means. Yeah, I've never felt that. Like, I was sent to church early. Like, when my, uh, I had an uncle die, and I was at the church, and everybody started saying the Lord's Prayer. And um, my sister looked at me, and she, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know it. And I was, me either. I was just kind of going, Yeah, and my sister was, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And I'm like, no. I never felt necessary to. Are you a science girl, then? Are you all about science? Well, no, because I was raised in the South, and girls are taught to be stupid. So I was, I got none of that. So to, 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 to backtrack, when you were in church with all those people and they're all singing things at the same time, you didn't feel the feeling? Mm-mm. Like, I just think I was that embarrassed. But if there's 400 people and they're all singing the same song at the same time, there is something there. It's like being at a concert or something where you have this right. communal feeling because everyone's sort of experiencing the same thing at the same time and there's this external, like, what is that? And I think some people call it God, but it could just be... Everybody's singing the same note at the same time. Yeah, everyone's just vibing. It's the shared Vi- energy. They're just vibing. I was always um, embarrassed. Yeah. I always remember standing back and being embarrassed mm. and and like what curious, like, what are these people doing? Like, yeah. th- if if I don't feel it, what, what bullshit are they? They're lying. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and they might be. Pentecostals believe that you don't truly become a Christian until you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to you from the Book of Acts, where when the the Holy Spirit came down after Jesus was erected and everyone spoke in tongues. Mm-hmm. And so they believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't fully accepted the Holy Spirit. And therefore, people speak in tongues a lot because that's how you prove that you're one with, you know. Interesting. Th- so you have to do the... And they're like, oh, they're speaking in tongues. And then somebody like says, oh, I can, I can translate Trample, this. I yeah. speak the God language. And then it becomes <laughs> this sort culty. of... Right? That, but that's it's, very culty. It's but there's a reason behind it, yeah. And it's, uh, and it comes from the book of Acts, and it's like uh, really? the part yeah. that they're not uh, remembering is tongues that they don't know. So they were speaking actual languages. I mean, Just were they in the story? That they did not know. Right in the story, it was about um, when Jesus and rose so up and he said, "Okay, now you're going to spread it all out. Everybody, go spread the word to everyone." And ev- the Holy Spirit entered them, and they all spoke in tongues, and they were other languages that they didn't know. So, like, then you could send them off to the Romans, or you could send them off to Italy, or wherever. I mean, that's the same place. The Greeks, whatever. But, but real languages. But real languages. Yeah. But were they? Because is the Bible just purely allegorical, or is it a real story? Did it really? I mean, so that's when we get into funky things where hmm. some people believe it as a historical text that's 100% true. 
And some people go, no. Great fiction. <laughs> Great science fiction. Yeah. I mean, it really is like a very well-written story, you know, right? Uh, there, there's no. a lot of there's no. a lot of characters and element the development there. It just there's a lot of issues. That <laughs> well, have you read Have you read Million Little Pieces by James Fry? That no, fake drug guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just, it's fake, but hey, man, it's a great story. You know, I'm not going to deny it. It's right. not real, but it's a pretty good story. Uh, it's, <laughs> they call it um, uh, fictionalized memoir now. They came yeah. up after that book had a big with Oprah, and he's like, she's lying. <laughs> I, I can't find that clip anywhere. That's the dress my white whale on the internet is to mm. find Oprah bitching out James Fry for lying about <laughs> being an addict. Had, well, the, the whole book, people got all up in arms about it, and so they kind of started a new genre called fictionalized memoir. Hmm. So that you can get away with not lying. having it be yeah real okay. yeah <laughs> so you get away with lying that's fine yeah but you know there are there are places in the Bible um, where like they built the altar for my God and your God and whichever God lights it on fire um, oh right I remember that one hmm. well once I got older and I started learning a little bit about science I understood about instant fire. And realized that that was all theatrical. Uh, yeah, and they could have used so? lenses or mm-hmm. um, instant fire. Um, as as you read it, he kept saying, "Put more water on it. Put more water on it." And that is the final step in instant fire. Oh. So it's yeah. magic. Uh, yeah, yes. See, like we were saying, it's so the first depictions of Jesus were with a wand. But this was, the this was something that they used to prove game. that God was real, and it was theatrical. It was, uh-huh. it was science. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's always science in well, the there end. Was yeah. I, I always thought that way about the parting of the Red Sea in the Old Testament when the Jews were escaping the Pharaoh and Moses was leading them into the new land. That's enough. And he parts the Red Sea. Well, maybe it was low tide or maybe there was some <laughs> weird like maybe there earthquake was a or something. Getting ready yeah. to happen. A tsunami getting ready to happen. It all it got sucked out. And it's a they what crossed and then it crashed in. That explains the whole story. It could still, have wouldn't there be more people writing about it though? Wouldn't there be more people like, dude, this fool just split an ocean in half but no one wrote anything down. Everyone was just like, that was crazy. Let's keep doing whatever we're doing. Well, maybe <laughs> they did, but th- I mean, they just don't have preservation, the preservation abilities that we have now. But we still have tablets from like the f- ancient not many. Yes, we have not many. Yes. But not I feel many. like we would see at least one from like the plague or anything and corroborating we have anything. tablets from well before uh, the Bible was written and well before the Jewish uh, came about describing the great flood. And that was when the Jewish children were being taught in those public schools. I wish I could. Th- I think it was Egypt. Mm. Well, the fl- the flood. They say with the Noah and the flood that that the ark still lives on Mount Ararat. Like that, that they found the ark and it's on Mount Ararat. And they they let us see it. Well, that's the thing too is that now with all of the uh, ice caps melting and everything, it, it should melt away and we should be able to we see it. It should be yeah. there. Yeah. Show um, me. Air Force pilots um, have reported. Right, so uh, I've seen, and I've seen, like, pictures. They say they've done, like, 3D imaging or, or like, some kind of thing that there it is atop oh, this mountain. I'm excited. I, I, I like want to see was I think it was I want to see it, yeah. I think most of the Torah is legend, you know, and that is where... Right, in the Old Testament, Testament and the Torah are the same. On. Well, they're the well th- yeah, it's the a old bastardized we version yeah. of the Torah. Well, it depends on which also translations you go through. So you start... Right. The New Testament was in Aramaic. What was the Old Testament in? What was being passed down? And when you change, every time you change, 
linguistically from from you know from uh, language to language or even now when we have the the King James version that's in English but then you also have the the national the NIV version and you have the like LIV you have all these different versions and they change words around like crazy times if you think yeah. about um, the Greeks have like 19 words for love and then if you look at the word love and you could think filial love like brotherly love or like love love so just even etymologically it seems silly that we're still working with this text and believing yeah. it like oh this it's been is translated so many times right yeah like yeah. Yeah. so many times well when you look at the base of, of many of the words like sin sin the original version of it was to fall short of a goal hmm but what has Christianity made it sound like now? Right, know? right. Hmm. To fall short of a goal isn't so such a terrible thing because that happens all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's like well, every time we shit on stage. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just lowered. That wasn't my goal. I've learned through <laughs> I've learned through times that uh, goals are like expectations, and it's better if you keep them low. <laughs> yeah. then, and then it's like, oh, I succeeded. <laughs> my my list in the morning looks like it's like wake up, brush teeth, <laughs> and I like cross things out. I'm like, look, <laughs> I accomplished it. it. I woke up. <laughs> yeah. Yay! One thing crossed <laughs> off my list. <laughs> brush teeth. Okay. We I didn't spend it. too many spoons today. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice to wake up happy that you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I just. What are, <laughs> what are the goals? I try to keep my goals like low because if I well, ever there have really been days. Goals, yeah. 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 <laughs> this morning, my cat should on the couch that I was sleeping on yeah. while I was sleeping Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I your cat up. is mad at you? No, I don't know why he did it. I just woke up, no, turned trust, over, and just fell No, trust, your cat is mad at you. <laughs> why? How yeah, long has it been anything? since you've seen this cat? It's been about, I guess, three, four months. He always, it acts like he doesn't remember me. He actually doesn't remember me. I picked him out of the shelter, and he's still, he's my dad's best friend. He doesn't like mm. me. Well, he's BS. mad at you. He that is definitely yeah, mad at you. Yeah, he's mad at me for something. You left. Yeah. And so now he's giving me the cold show. He's found someone else. He's found and my and he's, poop, he's pooping. He'd be pooping. How old is he? It might be a health problem, too. No, he's young. He's like three? He's like oh four yeah. now. Yeah, he's regular. Yeah, that's a fuck you poop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Cat I woke up and I was like, did I do that? <laughs> Trust, I know no. bullshit. Do you I, I convinced my, my cousins that were growing up in the city to that they were great sisters, the dragons. Oh, dear Lord, oh. you're having them throw poop around. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's comical. They Do would play classic. a frisbee with cow pies. Do you, <laughs> believe, do you believe cats have a soul? Aaron, do you believe cats have a soul? Yeah, I think cats have a soul. I think consciousness is your soul. That's what I think. And that's why I think there's, like, the, the universal consciousness. We all have the same consciousness, different, like, brains and stuff. But, like, cats have the same consciousness. We are one. Yeah. So it's not the ability to, like, process one. it the same way. So whales have consciousness. Yeah, have you seen a whale's eye? This morning, I was telling you about this. I, I, when I talk about shit that I see on Reddit, no one else has ever seen it. It's not interesting inherently. I get it. But on Reddit this morning, <laughs> I saw a, a fucking guy was, like, going up with this whale. And just the whale's eye. I've never seen a whale's eye. It looks <laughs> just like a human eye. Wow. Just, look, yeah, just looking around and shit. Mm, they're just dark they're games. They're big, yeah. yeah. Thinking I think about everything is part of the consciousness, including plants. Even like flies, sure. flies have consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. But they just process it on such a low, quote unquote, lower level. I just but feel the world like it's much smaller for them. I feel like humans have taken themselves out of the the natural flow of things, though. Haven't you we? You know though? what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I d I'm We've criminalized the nat natural life. I'm I'm really starting to kind of come around to the idea that we might actually be in that that what do they call it the sixth Simulation. extinction. Oh. 
uh, phase on the Sixth Earth. Extinction. Sixth extinction. There, there's a there's a theory that the Earth has had people on it, and we've gone extinct, <gasps> or almost extinct, almost six times. Oh, no, I love this theory. I've never heard five this. times, <laughs> and this is the sixth one well, coming. Oh, I love that. Mm. I believe that we are the seventh um, species of man. The seventh species. The seventh. Okay. I, I prescribe to that. First. To that dibs. belief. First. I say we're first. <laughs> but so so like there have archaeological digs have proven that one. So, so we're like not the um, first humans. But so like the Neanderthals were a pre-incarnation of what we are. Right. Yeah. But they're completely different. We know that their bones and brains and stuff are completely different but than us. But they are, we have all been various I feel like I'm on an episode of Joe Rogan. <laughs> you do DMT? <laughs> <We> <laughs> <have> <laughs> I believe we are the seventh <laughs> species of man. Yes. <laughs> the, we're the seventh, so there have been, so you think there have been seven incarnations from like the Between first. Between Neanderthals and the ones right. before and yes. Damn. Oh. And so, like, what, every thousand years we're kind of all new anyways? I mean, I guess well, that makes sense. Even a hundred mm-hmm. years because I, I saw that. beds. I was I saw some historical beds from, like, the 1900s in a house that was like, this is a house they lived in. And they were tiny. People yeah. were tiny. We have better nutrition. People were, like, oh, yeah. short. And t- their beds were, like, like a, like a a regular man was, like, my size. Like, five, five. The, they were small beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, Napoleon How was not that? short. That was, and yeah. that was, like, Nutrition at, at, during childhood is so important. Yeah. Because when you are not able to sustain um, your health, you're not going to grow. Yeah. Right. That is why my grandfather was four foot nine. Oh, because he was a he, ha- he was a sick child. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Th- during the Depression or something? Um, I know he served during Korea. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah, he was he probably a depression. Born, yeah, depression he was born, baby, born during yeah, the depression. Sure. Yeah, my mom was born in '36, so. And my, my and, and my dad was just a few years older, and yeah. he served yeah, okay. in Nor- Vietnam and, and Korea. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up vegan. My I grew up eating fucking couscous. I was supposed to be six two. I'm five <laughs> ten. I'm five ten, dude. It sucks. Quinoa, fucking quinoa, did it? Did I you grew up on a pig I'm farm. I'm not saying DNA doesn't play a factor. <laughs> it, yeah. But um, I'm saying that poor nutrition during childhood is very key. Definitely. In development. And that's what's that's so sad. That's why I advocate so much for the, you know the food rescues because they yes. are the ones getting fresh produce. They're getting that. They're the only ones getting actual nutrition to the poor. And I that's so important. Just these like pouches in Africa. These little vitamin pouches have all these things. Sorry, go on. I just no, no, no. Y'all are right. No, I mean you were talking about growing it. Like, but on the other side of it, there's like I grew up on a farm, uh, eating, um, you know. Uh, chicken, fresh chicken, and fresh mm. eggs off the farm. And my mm. mom, we had uh, pigs and stuff that we Me slaughtered. Too. So, we're oh, we're little potato people. Like we're all Irish, <laughs> and like we look like little potatoes. We're, and my brother used to describe the women in our family as stout, round, and close to the ground. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we're little <laughs> farm working, farm working women. That's it what really we are. Where, where in the south are you from? I'm from Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that is that close to um? Close to Athens, place I know Athens. Mm, no, yeah, it's about it's about three hours north. Okay, mm, yeah, three or four cool. hours north. Yeah. My my buddy's my buddy's father uh, was a professor at the college in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Whatever that is. Uh, UG, UG, right? Yeah. He, was a, he was a professor B-52s. of theoretical chemistry. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? What is theoretical <laughs> chemistry? I look at his books sometimes. He's like, I r- my friend Charlie would be like, he wrote this book. And I'm like looking at it like, this <laughs> is, like, this is this not makes English. No words. No <laughs> These are English <laughs> words, but it, it doesn't make any sense at all. They're just it's numbers. Like the 
You know, when you said that uh, you had asked if I was a science person, I should I should say that I I didn't try to educate myself during my primary years. But yes, I am uh, like I will go with the best science of the moment. Did you just burn your God, eyelash I off? Blue fucking just <laughs> I just blew smoke weed, weed ash into my eye. Oh my god! That's some farm effect right there. Yeah, You'll never get up. corona. That, that better get me because so faded. <laughs> it will not. Crossfade the yeah. the keef right into I, your eye. I, I'm sorry, but you're your science person. You do science stuff now, or are you? Well, uh, no, I'm just saying that. Yeah, I'm, I try to go with the best science that's available to us as consumers right. that I can. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I read MSM. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly a researcher research scientist i'm not gonna say yeah no i didn't go for that sort of education so i believe in creation i don't know a lot of the science you believe Mm -hmm. in like divine creation no oh creation no i i believe that we the earth has been here evolving for many millions of and billions of years hell yeah retweet you know and that um christianity is a great story well, see now. Yeah, here's the thing cra- about. I think it's well written. You know? Here's yeah. the thing about Hopefully the great. Here's the thing about the great story and the way that it can work for creationists if they choose to think of it this way. God created the world in seven days, right? Uh, we wrote it down. But what is a God day? How long is a God day? A God day. God doesn't understand time. God doesn't know time. God, yeah. God's outside of time. So, uh, for us, the hubris of us to put a man-made construct on something that we can't possibly understand. Oh yeah. Days. Gender too on God. That's well, so sure, weird. exactly. Him. Gender. But the fuck. So, if we say, oh well, sense. the earth, maybe the world was created in seven days. Maybe seven God days. God's yeah. days could be five hundred billion years. Light years. Yeah, we have no idea what a God relative. day is because what is fucking God? But. That's the only – if creationists sold me that line, I'd be like, okay, fine, maybe. Okay. Because then I feel like you're sort of still buying into the science of right. the earth yeah. was not created in seven days. No, no. Like, but it some people was created over the course of – you know, I mean, I believe yeah. in the science of all that. I believe that, you know, I certainly do not believe that it – it was seven days, and I right. do not no. believe that Adam and Eve were the first no. human. You know, I think a lot of what became the Torah, which got bastardized into the Old Testament, um, that was legend, but Homer totally. was more accurate. Totally. Whisper, whisper, You know? Yeah. I think some of it actually happened, but they just got like mythologized to the point. Yeah, that's what humans. Yeah. humans are wired for story. Like mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Homer yeah. was more mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah, well, yeah. Also, we have to think about the ol- no one knew how to read. Yeah. The only people that knew how to read were the priests. Comics. Doing a little set, <laughs> doing a little before. ten minute God set. But it was all it was a, it was auditorily passed down, right. and yeah. the easiest way to remember things is through story because you have yeah. a story arc, and it's Meaning. easier to remember because you're going from one place to another. In your st- and because you were doing it, it right. was an auditory passing. No one knew how to read. No yeah. one right. knew how to read. Yeah. Right. right. Not so women, not pa- men, nobody. Yeah. It was passed on just like Homer was taught because mm-hmm. Homer was illiterate, you know? Yeah. So, but he was more accurate than those who passed down those stories because we know we've watched Uncle Kenny tell stories and it's a l- of what we were there to see and we've seen th- how things got grandized. Yeah, right. sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, also, what? also right. on a so on a metaphysical on a metaphysical level, every time you revisit a memory, that memory changes because Memories you. 
Well, oh, yeah. But I mean, they're real, but they're so, they're sibs. They're, they're so real, valuable. but they're constantly malleable. They're constantly changing, and they do change every time because wh- when we better. revisit a memory, we're revisiting it from a different point in our life. We have a different perspective on said memory. Therefore, the memory that we're visiting, although it's the same, is different. Right. So every time we remember anything, we're actually changing the memory. And then you have to consider, like, what we do as comics. We actually will move information around to make a point more interesting how to our audience. So sure. that, that fucks with your memories, too. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes, uh, you know, th- I growing up with. You remember, I told you, um, my mom was thirty six when she had me, but yeah, I had yeah. four siblings uh, older than me: eighteen, sixteen, fourteen, and twelve when I was born. Yeah, built in yeah. babysitters. Yeah, Whoa, that's older. Yeah, way Irish, older. Jeans uh, or what? Yeah, <laughs> very much Irish jeans, sixty six percent. Yeah, and the other t- uh, other thirty three percent is uh, Swedish and European, like uh, England that mm. that area. So, um, but the, the, but my, my brothers and sisters, like I would hear my brother, Johnny, I would be hanging out with him and he would tell me a story about something that happened before I was born. And then later I'd be hanging out with Deborah and Deborah would tell me the same story, but it would be just a little different. (laughs) She was either the person who was in charge in the story or the hero or whatever. And then I would hear my sister Sherry tell a story and it would be just slightly bent to her. And I'm like, huh. So yeah, it's really, yeah, I was really uh, aware of perspective of story a long time ago. Perspective is like the thing that takes longest to, for at least for me to grasp in like literature and stuff like that was like that. I mean, to r- I mean, you know, understand that it's coming from this person, but understand how that changes with different tellings. Oh, it's yeah. kind of interesting. Well, I'll forever. well, what the reason I'm so conscious of it is because uh, I did the whole 23andMe uh, thing to find out what my heritage was because there was a story of Native Americans in our family. Ah, uh, that right, Elizabeth Warren. You right? get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I have always heard these stories, right? And there's the story of this Native American dude that came into Georgia and fell in love with, like, a great-great-great-great-grandmother, asked for a hand in marriage. Dad said no, stole her away, came back later, said no, stole her away, came back later. Too bad, married her anyway. All right. So... Everybody in my family is see-through. We are born with blonde or red hair, blue eyes or green eyes, and we're see-through. There is so no. Where is where <laughs> is <laughs> Uncle Redfeather? Right. So where is, where Grandpa is Big Grandpa Redfeather? Redfe- yeah, yeah, exactly. Grandpa moved is he? Is he? Like I don't know. Several greats. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, c- I couldn't tell you what the truth is. Mm. So and is there any Native American blood in your twenty-three? Zero. And zero is a lie. Zero. My mother back checking my past. Your parents are liars. Yeah. My mother always said that. My mother has always said that there was Cherokee in our family, and I, I would guarantee you there's none mm. well you got to do that 23 and me see if your mom will now see there is more stories now here it's there is the government stories. already has it nobody else needs it yeah, there fair, is a fair, scientific fair. caveat yeah. to my 23 and me though it's not the complete story because i only have the maternal side i don't carry my dad's mm. genes so, so i need still a chance. there's still a chance and i cannot get my brother or any of his kids to take the test why not I don't think they want to know the truth. Oh. They'd rather keep the story. I'd rather keep. They they'd rather keep the truth. They'd rather keep the story. <laughs> you know what? The I have a I have a friend here in San Francisco whose mother is Native American, and she she came up not the mother, but my friend was saying that maybe it's one of those things where you can kind of offset some guilt 
about the atrocities that occurred oh, that if you're part sure. of that group, sure, sure. Right. you know. Right. So no, it's uh, hey, I get it. I get that. Yeah. So yeah. I got a, a lot of white guilt. I'm a quarter Asian. Yeah. Fully one quarter. I think that's. I always thought that was enough to be like, I'm mixed. But because I present so like white, that oh, it doesn't you really. Like, I can't. You I should know. Very white. But my cousin, who's also a quarter Asian, she looks fully Filipino. She doesn't look like Asian. It's still like because she's you know she gets she's more uh, tan skin than I. Well, she's hazel eyes. There I, is Spanish and Filipino people. It's true. We're not Spanish though. No. So Scottish. so you're. I thought you were part Chinese. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, okay. We're Scottish and, and Chinese. So I'm sorry. I, I should heard let Filipino. You I assume that she was looks Filipino. Okay. Because she's a quarter Asian. That's what okay. I. Okay. Yeah. But you're See, a I quarter look Asian. You, but you have the you have the pretty eyes. So I should tell you that I, my boyfriend was giving me a ride here in the morning, and he was saying, he was saying, which one of those? He said there was one comic because I always say that he's oh they're too good looking to be a comic, and he brought you up. He's like the one. He's <laughs> so good looking. Why is he not oh, a model? He was thank like, you. I, I was like, I know he's got these these cute little dimples and the oh. widespread eyes. He was like, he's got these high cheekbones. I'm like, I know, right? Me blush. He looks <laughs> like his nickname should be Trip. Well, that but is you're a so nickname for people who are the third. The third. Oh, yeah, triple, yeah. I got quadroon. But you're so... Even worse. Yeah, it is worse. I, I can't repeat it. Either. You're so but tall and striking because of just your your eyes are wide set, you. your, your facial structure and your bones and stuff. And he was like... Why is he not modeling? And I was like, I don't know. He's in Chicago. Maybe he well, should like get some pictures you. done or something. I, I did actually try to model for a couple seconds, and that shit sucks. Oh yeah, my really? god, it really it's hard. sucks. Is it soul it, sucking? It makes you feel so, like. What is it like? Look, I like. I, I I I'm very glad that people think that I'm good looking, and it makes me feel good. Thank you. You know. Uh, also, I but I don't like that being. I don't even like leaning into it too much. I don't like it being a part of my identity so much and the in Why? people that I worked with as model I mean I like it no I'll tell you, I like it but I still like it doesn't form as forms how other people see me I can't see myself as a know? reformed hot girl I'm offended <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just didn't want to and, and people that are and, and all the models that I worked with because I did it like casually for like two a couple weeks maybe like a month casual were, model that's the name of your band <laughs> casual casual model that is yeah yeah I like that it's like ska <laughs> they, they all but they all identify like as hot people as models and like as smoldery people when I smolder for a photo like I I can't look at a photo of myself where I'm like <laughs> It's just so like it's awful. It's cringy. It's cringy. And same for all these like music. I want to be a comedian too because musicians do the same thing where they have to be like smoldery and like and sad and brooding and it's just I'm trying to be like hot or whatever and I just don't like that as like an identity thing personally. It really wasn't part of my identity. For I really didn't understand why people just gave me shit. <laughs> must be nice. There is a, yeah, there is a privilege. <laughs> to that might be part of it, just trying to be like, I'm not that privileged, but there is a privilege to being attractive. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I and I worked it, and I didn't realize how much I worked it until I quit working it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so does anybody subscribe to anything now as a specific religion? You're a little Buddhist, right? Not really, no. Not really. No, no, I could. I don't. I don't feel like I can claim that. I don't meditate or anything. I just like the ideas. Okay. Like, like you're ideally. a philosopher. You're modern day philosopher. Oh, and I, yeah, I guess I, I like to read uh, books and see what I can gain from living on that. But sure. Not necessarily like a set thing of beliefs. Uh, three favorite authors. Top three. Top three favorite authors. You made me sound like pretentious on the radio. Yeah, hell yeah. This, this is NPR for a yeah. second. <laughs> I'm gonna say you, those I'm gloves are too gross. pretentious for this <laughs> poem. Uh, Annie Pruel. Amazing. She wrote The Shipping News. She also wrote Brokeback Mountain. Oh, all She's right. She's amazing. 
uh, Albert Camus. He's amazing. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and it's just three, right? It's just three. Yeah, L'Etranger, yeah. La Plage. Um, I would say the last one would be Jean Paul Sartre. Oh, so, yeah. Jean Paul Sartre. So here's a, deep cut. Here's a deep cut on Jean Paul Sartre, and I'm wondering if you've read it. He wrote a play in the 40s called The Respectful Prostitute. Do you know about mm, this? No, I, I do not. Okay, this is a play he wrote, and he wrote it about racial relationships in the United States, and mm. it was based off a real story about a black guy on a train getting blamed oh, for I raping have. a white woman, but she he never did that, and it was because the white guys on the train actually shot his friend, and then they were related to a senator. So anyways, it's the story about how they get this prostitute who was on the train, who saw the whole thing. They say the black guy raped her, and how they twisted around with money and all these things happen, and she meets him, and it's this amazing play. And I 